Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Friday, October 2nd. On the show with us today, we have Tim Davis back to talk about Env0. Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? <laughs> <laughs> also on the call is our senior Australian for- field. Oh my gosh, I'm going to edit this. Also on Bully the call did. is our... <laughs> Hush <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> uh, Take two. Do I have a Red Bull hand? Quiet. quiet. <laughs> Let's say you guys have to be quiet if I'm going to edit it. <laughs> I'm going to mute you. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to start over. <clears throat> also on the call is our senior Australian field correspondent, Kieran Sheldon. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Aaron and Mr. Gates. I'm glad you guys are here. Oof, Mr. Gates, that one's reserved for my dad. <laughs> Settle down there, buddy. Just showing I listen to the show. <laughs> That's true. Who brought that up? I should know this. <laughs> Moving All on. All right. Tim, uh, now that you can talk about it, tell us what Env yes. Zero is all about before we get into tech news for the day. Absolutely. So uh, I am now the DevOps advocate for Env Zero, and we are essentially infrastructure as code automation. Um, So if you've got your applications that you build with Terraform, we allow you to do continuous deployment on those to manage all of the environments that you have. Um, We set the the guardrails in place so that you can say who can deploy what and have you or and what have you. And we also have costing so that you can get an overall picture of not only who's deploying what in your environment and where, but also how much it's costing you. Mm, shame back. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. So uh, when do you start? What's what's the what's the scope of your role and all that? Yeah, absolutely. And so since, since we have a lot of listeners that probably aren't that familiar, why don't you explain what a developer advocate is in general? Oh, that's a good call too. <laughs> what, what would you say it is you do? <laughs> exactly? In all fairness, what you just said is not entirely inaccurate. One of the biggest things that I do is I work between customers and engineering, so that's not entirely inaccurate. Um, so I mean, Dev, Dev, Dev well, off the printer, <laughs> yeah. carry them so, over to sales. <laughs> so I started Monday. That was my first day. Uh, today is my first Friday with the company. Um, <clears throat> Real small company, like I said before, I'm employee number nine. Uh, There's myself and Alex Miller, who are the only U.S. employees. Um, All of the other folks are located in Israel. Um, So what I'm doing with the company is advocacy in general. So it's a little bit of tech marketing. It's a little bit of regular marketing. It's a little bit of pre-sales SE stuff, but I'm not quoted. Um, in general, it's, it's just going to be me wearing a whole bunch of hats, just getting the word out there, creating technical content, amplifying technical content that we have. Um, I mean, DevRel is kind of big. You've probably, if you're in the tech industry around Twitter, you've seen a lot of, you know, like Microsoft's cloud advocates and things like that around. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a link between engineering and the community. Mm. Cool. I'm, uh, I'm curious. How um, did you get the role? Like being only two in the US and employee number nine. How yeah, did you so come across that? that's an interesting story. Um, 
So I actually owe this, me getting this job to somebody else in the community who I can't name drop because they have a good job right now. Um, they, were, <laughs> they were interviewing with these folks for this role and they realized that this wasn't the role for them. They wanted more of a product role and they name dropped me. Um, so I just randomly got followed by the CEO on Twitter one day and, you know, just, I had heard about the product before. So I reached out and just said, Hey, I like what you guys are doing. And we set up a phone call and it kind of went from there. Uh, so really, so there it is. It, yeah, it was just an accident. To Twitter, just gifts to Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Get involved in the conversation job offer. But- I, that is no joke. Not the first job that I have gotten because of Twitter. Um, so really, uh, it's, it, it's been an interesting ride. It was kind of an accident that I ended up here, but it is, it's a fantastic opportunity. We've got a lot of potential. I think we're going to do a lot of great things. Um, and man, it's, it's great to be working for a CEO who is not only as excited as I am, but possibly more excited that I'm working here than I am. Um, so it's, it's been really cool. Well, man, we're really excited for you. Yeah, definitely. That is fantastic. All right. Do y'all want to get into some tech news? Sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. Kieran, you got anything from the other side of the world you want to bring up? Well, one thing I, I wish Russell was on. Uh, for the first one. So the Borat 2 official trailer got released <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> nice. So. It, it's worth a watch. It's, I don't usually watch trailers because I feel like they give up too much, but I, I'm glad I watched the Borat one because you can't give up the plot of a Borat movie in any teaser form. You just can't. It's a couple of zingers and it's like it's over, but it's, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. What's the appetite? The I didn't know it was a thing. Comedy, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. What I just say is two minutes 20 is the best best bit. <laughs> <laughs> 220 in the Borat trailer noted. I'm pretty sure I know what part you're talking about. But All right. Uh, what else? Let's see. Um, I saw a post from The Hustle. I don't know if you all follow The Hustle on Twitter, um, but they commented yesterday, for all of you that deleted Facebook because you're tired of arguing with your uncle over politics, I have terrible news. They can now DM you on Instagram through Facebook, even if you don't have a Facebook account. That is fantastic. I like your follow-up comment saying that they're going to enable that to pause your VR games on the Oculus. It's like, oh, straight to the fields. I'm mad now and I can't explain it. I forgot I made that comment. Yeah. I just imagined myself like playing Beat Saber and then like some article pops in in the corner from, you know, from your crazy uncle. So that's right. Are people still going to be adopting Oculus with this whole requirement of logging in with Facebook? Absolutely. We already talked about that, Tim. Come on, man. Sorry, man. I, you know, I, I have a hard time keeping up with everything like that. So I'm just, no, it, it, that was something that good. I didn't I'm see just going ragging well. on you. No, we, no, we talked about it. I think it's one of those things where it's a low enough barrier to entry that people will begrudgingly continue to use it because it's sure. still one of the leading platforms, if not the, you know, forefront. Right. So yeah, yeah it's fair. It's yeah. Well, they're executing well and they're selling a platform. I truly think, and we talked about this too, when you compare like the price of a laptop versus the price of a mobile phone versus the price of the Oculus 2, they're selling a device that I think they could sell for two times, maybe more than what Mm -hmm. they're actually selling it for, which is huge, right? And some people- They're going for volume. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, they want to win the game, right? There's a, and we got into that too a little bit. I'm not actually sure that they dovetailed, but the, you know, the idea of an Xbox or a PlayStation, there's a loss leader function to getting 
good, high quality, high performing hardware out of the gate to seed the community and get the follow up revenue, which is the platform, the marketplace, the games, and all of the you know accoutrement that comes with it. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's an unfamiliar push for a company like Facebook. All right, uh, something else I saw. I think yesterday or the day before. What's today? Maybe a few days ago. Um, I'm curious if y'all saw this. So. Coinbase offers exit package for employees not comfortable with its apolitical mission. I don't know if we want to touch this with a pencil. <laughs> I didn't read it. Tell, tell me about it. Yeah. yeah so Coinbase. So uh, Brian Armstrong, who I believe is the CEO, um, basically put together a package and just said, look, as a company, we're going to be apolitical. Uh, there was a lot of noise about it on Twitter. And he said, if you're not about this, you know, if, if, if you demand that the company you work for make uh, public statements one way or another, supporting groups one way or another, uh, then then here's the door and here's the package we're offering you. Uh, four months severance for employees with less than three years, six months for severance for those who have been here more than three years, six wow. months COBRA, seven-year option wow. exercise window, et cetera. Man, you know, here's the deal. It, that's a big package. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. That's just generous too. But are is was part of that basically saying like we are apolitical. Therefore, if you as an employee end up being vocally political, that you're potentially at risk. Because I would think point. in general that could be seen as discrimination. But if you're saying you do anything that goes away from the apolitical guidance that we're providing, like you're out. Is I wonder if that's in the really fine print somewhere. Right. But in all fairness. In a lot of places, you know, it's it's you know right to work, so they can fire you for whatever as long as oh, they're sure. not discriminating. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but that's, anyways, yeah. I think it opens up an interesting, at least, conversation, if not a can of worms, about what what the intent there is. If if they're just saying, "Hey, we're not going to be outwardly political," I, I would be surprised if people left in droves for that. But if they're saying, you know, we don't want to see you making public statements, at least associated with Coinbase at all, then, then that, that, I don't know, it gets fuzzy. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Just curious what y'all thought about it. Kieran, do y'all have politics in Australia? <laughs> yeah, we have Moon new, looks different. No politics. We got, we got a new prime minister every six weeks or something here. So. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, we, we keep changing. It's yeah. Special elections. Politics. I don't. I don't know enough yeah. about. Well, you should, guys have enough like... problems over your side, so. Well. <laughs> Boy, yeah, we have enough problems for the world here. For now. Okay. Um, so, what about this one here? Uh, EU plans to ban tech companies from pre-installing apps and force them to share data with the competitors. Man, did y'all see that one? The data sharing is one. the interesting part, especially with how weird they are about privacy. Um, but I mean, in all fairness, like the whole Microsoft monopoly thing over there with IE, you know, however many years ago that was, um, I mean, this isn't a brand new precedent no. for them, but saying they just can't install anything flat out. Um, they're really pushing that one out. I, yeah, you know, but- that, that part of it is less offensive to me, right? Like, cause yeah, brought up the perfect use case that the IE and everything that's happening with Microsoft. It's like, no, 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 you can't just shove your, you can't shoehorn your piece into the, the forefront, right? right. Make it uh, democratize what apps are going to be installed. I would be okay with that because it limits bloat and some of the garbage that I just don't want to have anything to do with it. And I know that's a long conversation. We could get yeah. into whether or not they should have the right, whether or not it's good or bad, whatever it is. Yeah. As an I end user, I'm okay with that. with that piece. 
But yeah. the sharing of data, that's, that's the big one. That's a little like there's doing things to prevent anti or anti-competitive behaviors. Okay, there's a place for that. There's forcing companies to share their data, which at this point we recognize is quite literally part of sort of the IP of what makes those apps successful. Like that's that's borderline right. pushing yeah. it too far. Yeah. Well, and, and how, what what stops you from just saying, "Oh, I, I'm I'm going to go compete against Google. Hand over all your customer data." Right. Yeah. As and, the article goes on, it just says, as part of its new Digital Services Act, the EU is planning to force the likes of Apple, Amazon, Amazon, oof, and Google. Uh, I mean, all three of them, right? I mean, this is huge. The the amount of uh, customer data they have to hand over right. customer data to smaller rivals in an effort to loosen the grip of big tech on consumers. A draft of the legislation stated that the tech companies shall not use data collected on the platform for their own commercial activities unless they make it accessible to business users active in the same commercial activities. Wow. That's, That's from MacRumors.com. Man. I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think it makes sense. I don't, yeah, just nope. That's bad. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Well. Yeesh. Let's see what else here. <laughs> so yeah, I've got I've got one that'll be interesting for uh, any hardware folks. Uh, as of seven twenty four this morning um, on the Verge, Nvidia is delaying the RTX thirty seventy from the fifteenth to the 29th of this month because they is want to the- bolster their the stock of the cards that they have for release day. Hmm. Okay. That's so kind of anybody, anybody who wanted the 3070 on the 15th ain't going to have it. Why wouldn't they just go to market and then show exactly them right? They, um, I, it's I'm an interesting with, decision. It has nothing to do with that at all. And it oh, I'm sure it's got to be something to else with all of the hardware issues that I've been seeing some news about. Yeah. Apparently they're having thermal, uh, thermal problems, which is, you know, bad news bears for, graphics card to which run hot but right I, I didn't get into great detail there i'm just i'm it's curious timing when there's a lot of hate on the some of the physical design which you can't fix with a firmware update or at least in part i know they can yeah, exactly amazing things with the firmware updates and, and software side but yeah interesting very okay well we're just flying through topics today <laughs> I saw a fun uh, one. Uh, this this oh, feels yeah, wrong without Rust, but uh, it's it's not in the competitive gaming space. Um, lots of people have hands-on now with the new Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, which is another release on Nintendo Switch that uh, leverages augmented reality. So you can build what? you can build augmented reality racetracks. And if I'm understanding this correctly, because I, I believe the kit actually comes with a little RC car. What? And then you get to build your own racetrack in your house around what? your physical yeah. objects and basically play Mario Kart in your house on a track. Ma, I know what I want. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> it sounds freaking awesome. <laughs> Coming October 16th, I must yeah. have this. Yes, yeah. And so apparently it's 100 bucks. Um, comes with the car. There was a little bit of hate on the, the cost there. But honestly, if it's a good RC car that comes in the box, I, I don't agree with that at all. Unless I read that wrong and it doesn't. I think it does. It does come with a card. I'm looking at it yeah. right now. You can choose Mario yeah, okay. or You'll Luigi. get an RC card. No, if it's a good RC card, 50 bucks for that 
is totally appropriate. Well, if it's also the software garbage, cost. Then that's a different problem. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying you pay 50 bucks for a game, pretty standard yeah. at this point, right? 50 bucks for a good RC car, which it better be a good RC car. because This one even has great, a, like a, a webcam on it. Yeah, no. Okay, so that hating on that price, and, and this is coming from me, who hates on the price of everything pretty much universally. Those are two things that the market has pretty much decided cost $50 a piece. Deal with it. <laughs> uh oh it also comes with some uh like starting block things Uh, dude it comes with a lot like this is gonna be awesome yeah yep that's that's pretty cool so awesomeness way to go nintendo mario kart love it physical slash augmented mario kart mobeta even if the game itself doesn't end up executing as well as any of the other mario karts have just the the novelty of having a physical car will make it awesome. Also clearly they've, they've figured out a lot of like the, at least the beginnings of, you know, having not read in depth reviews or gotten the public response yet, but um, they figured out how to take the physical, which has all the sensors in it and marry it up to the game, which means improvements can and will come. right? Right. So they, Hopefully it's it's a baked game. It comes out. It does what it's supposed to do out of the gate. But if it doesn't, a hundred percent, it's not like it's dead in the water, unless they screwed up something on the physical side. But even then, I'm sure they're going to sell more. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, in more gaming news, and when I read headlines like this, I it, it's kind of a bit of a gut check for those of us that are doing like um, enterprise, uh, you know, hardware, software stuff, and we look at the sizes of our businesses and all this. And then you read headlines like Roblox is considering a U.S. IPO next year, expects it could double its recent $4 billion valuation. So Roblox, like, yes, which is, I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like a Minecraft spinoff, like a different version, kind of like Fortnite was to PUBG, something like that, right? But uh, it's so successful that its parent company that makes other games, they're considering going public, uh, $8 billion valuation. Eight billion. Wow. That's wild. For, yeah, for this game that like 10-year-olds play around the world. Dude, all those freemium games, man, there's such a huge market for that for kids that just spend 99 cents here oh and there. Man, that God. stuff adds up. It's nuts. No. <laughs> we talked, Aaron and I talked about this the other day because uh, I had a a neighbor, if you're listening, sorry to call you out, but their their kid had access to um, the in, in-game store for uh, Minecraft. And spent like 150 bucks at about 20 seconds on coins, which I didn't even know were a thing in Minecraft. Well, one cool note here is that they were able to get that refunded. So thumbs up, bravo to you, Nintendo and the gaming system and or Minecraft or the combination of the two. Um, because uh, there there are platforms, which I remember reading about this. I think Fortnite's one of them. I'm pretty sure yeah. that um, Clash of Clans is one of them. They're like, no, uh-uh. I don't care if it was a, you know, a dog that bought it, like, we're not going to refund you. And, and it got bad enough that there were actually some legal fights over whether or not they could not refund something, say, that a five-year-old purchased, right? Like, right. are you really going to carry the risk of saying you can sell stuff to five-year-olds on the internet? Like, that's, that's there's a, there there's a complicated ecosystem there. But it, that's, that stuff horrifies me. I just, those freemium games and the access kids have to just, mash buttons and spend credit card money they need really good fences for all of it that just that reminds me of when the amazon uh, echoes 
started allowing you to order things with your voice. And there was a news story talking about how the little, you know, the little kid bought like a $600 castle with her voice. And when they said that phrase on the news, it triggered a bunch of people's to purchase that same $600 item. That's awesome. (laughs) I didn't hear that part. Oh my God. Oh yeah. No, that, that, that's that's the reason I found out about it is because, the Get news out. story that carried the original one, when they said that phrase, it triggered a bunch of people's Alexas. That's oh, awesome. Oh, wow. That's the, yeah. everybody worries about like some sort of crazy AI singularity. It's totally not going to happen. Like we're not even smart enough to put together artificial. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's going to be able to destroy us, but somebody's just going <laughs> to say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to exhaust the financial system with Alexas. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Um, well, actually, tagging on to the um, payment and freemium and that, a couple of days old, Epic or Apic, as you guys have coined now. Um, so <laughs> the Epic Games, their injunction um, got denied by a judge. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, she claimed that? that they were not honest. Oh, uh, that's, that's a bit of a zinger. Her, um, yeah. Where's it here? Her wording was, you did something, you lied about it by omission. By not being forthcoming, that's a security issue. Uh, huh. There are a lot of people in the public who consider you guys heroes for what you guys did, but it's still not honest. Yeah, those were the comments I saw where she was saying, you know, honestly, I'm surprised at how much support you got uh, considering how nefarious you were or yeah. something like that. Ugly. Oh, man. Okay. Well, there you go. So what is that? Is that the end of uh, the Apple Epic thing? I'd say that probably continue. What, what specifically were they being called out for lying by omission for? Because this is news to me. Um, so the judge was also not particularly persuaded by Epic's argument that forcing developers to use Apple's in-app payment system amounts to illegal tying a form of bundling that requires customers who want to buy a particular product to also purchase something else. Hmm. Oh, um, okay. So not persuaded by that, but where's the, the, the omission part? Do you know what it was that came trying, up? Am I putting you on the spot? <laughs> I'm trying to find the wording here. Uh, where was it? It, this, it, you know what's what's neat about this to me, right? Is that I think it was it was certainly fun on the show and off the show to sort of play devil's advocate about who's in the right, who's in the wrong here. But one thing that we kept recentering on is mm. that even though Epic was quote unquote fighting this gorilla, Epic is also a gorilla, right? And and I I made an argument, which even if I end up being on the wrong side of this, because Epic's really just kind of a a jerk about it. Um, if they're the only ones big enough to fight the fight, then it's probably a pretty interesting fight. But at the end of the day, the only reason Epic is doing any of this is pure greed, right? Like they're not yeah. doing it to better the world. <laughs> they're just trying to line their pockets. So it it's unfortunate, but not surprising that their uh, methods Wait, ended decision, up being a little sketchy. You're saying that they made a decision based on money? <laughs> no. Shocker. <laughs> we follow the coinage and find the real story right never never 
And she, she also rejected the Epic's argument that the removal of Fortnite from apps from the App Store has caused it harm because iOS players have plenty of other ways to get the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, I, that, I saw that part of the debate too. That's right. Good, um, good job pulling that part up. But yeah, I guess they were going back and forth saying there, there was some sort of assessment based on yeah. you know, a percentage of users that were only able to use uh, you know, an iPhone or iPad or something like that. So. It's, it's going to continue for a bit longer, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, no, they're not done. I think there's no, way sure. too much money. Piled yeah, here's up another one. Back company the- Fortnite. The company steps up to let you play updated Fortnite on iOS. Okay, well, I guess there's whatever. It's a, it's an ongoing mess. Anyway, what else? You got any fun stories? What's going on in Australia? Uh, Tech related or not? It's just good to hear from you, man. Yeah, um, not from Australia, but this one was interesting. Uh, so. Toyota have announced new home robots. So basically, okay. oh, I, the, I saw this. Yeah, so basically, the idea it looks like Gladys from um, <laughs> from Portal. Portal was that That's hilarious? Right? Yeah, it was Portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah Portal. Yeah, so. um, so they call it the less evil version of Gladys. Um, right. Basically, it's hilarious. The way they've designed it is that it hangs off a structure, an uh, aluminium structure from your ceiling. Uh, it's about uh, a foot wide, but then it can drop down and spread out and do things such as uh, empty the dishwasher. Uh, it can wipe down the TV uh, without knocking it over. Wait, what? Um, what? Yeah, there's. Uh, let me let me find the list. Man, I should have clicked that link. I saw the Glados thing in Toyota, and I was like, ah, oh, that that's cool. I, I'm gonna have to look into that. This sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, uh, posting the, the um chat there you go um but yeah it's it just looks crazy the photos of it working the dishwasher and so how they what they've done is they've set it up with a a vr uh environment and so people have been interacting with it and the show and it's using ai to learn how to pack the dishwasher how to wipe down items like it's that's so cool it's really cool what they're doing yeah so oh, if it have, makes uh, you a cake, does it I, actually make you a cake? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot. I had to. That was the easy one. <laughs> cake is eat a up lie. There. <laughs> cake is a lie. I was about to make a pseudo make me a sandwich joke, but I think your cake one was better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, awesome. But, no, that's cool. That's certainly worth looking into. Um yeah. Gentle, helpful companion for paralyzed vet- veteran is what this article was talking about. It's like bringing him water and uh, that's cool, man. Yeah. So they, they designed it so that it runs off the ceiling so it can avoid and having trouble navigating around the household floor and, and navigating cramped spaces. Okay. That must be a different one than what I'm looking at. Oh, yeah. This one's from 2017. <laughs> Old news. Probably the original yeah. ones. You probably covered it in your first episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've only been doing ago. this for a handful of months, man. It's crazy. Okay. Uh, are we out of articles? Are you, uh, you guys out of words? No? Okay. Well, well here's, one, here's one for the Android community, and I'm curious as to why this article has to exist, but probably because <laughs> of people like Tyler. Probably. The article is entitled, how to take screenshots on your Android phone. What? 
Well, I mean, uh, people people are bad at technology on on average, what? probably. Dude, I'm just but, telling uh, you. There's an entire article on The Verge that's called "How to Take Screenshots on Your Android Phone." Did they, did I they don't know something? why it has happens to exist. It's two buttons. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just not that hard. There, yeah. Tim, have you seen the uh, the Apple version where you can just t- double tap the back of the phone? Yeah. So the the double tap is actually cool. So you can assign that gesture to pretty much whatever you want, um, which is really cool. So if you have a task that you you know want to do often, you can set it up to just double tap the back and you're good to go. It uses the accelerometer and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. So what's what's interesting about that to me, and this is sort of like a a, a nod to Android, but then also a knock, is that features like that have existed and then disappeared in the ecosystem, you know, kind of rolling throughout time. So yeah. the, um, I forget which phone specifically, I know the, the Motorola when Google rebrought them and actually rebought them and then actually let hardware out a couple of times, like the Moto X and stuff like that. Um, and then some of the LG devices, uh, some of the early G series, like G234, those devices had wild abilities to take advantage of like any possible button press and it was baked right into their little overlay for the the ecosystem so stuff like double tapping to do screenshots or copy things or whatever it was like they were wide open but then in later releases of android at least on stuff like samsung devices which are very popular in the android community it became less flexible in your choices so you couldn't just double tap the power button because that was dedicated to like the camera. So they, they sort of made some of these uh, call it button activities sort of dedicated to features across the Android ecosystem and sort of robbed some of the Android device manufacturers of their openness. So it's kind of interesting that, um, that Hmm. iOS has that now and and Android doesn't again. I don't know. It's just, it's odd. So I hadn't used it yet, but I knew the feature was there. I just went in here and yeah, I, you can do double tap to pick between a massive amount of different things, all kinds of shortcuts and whatnot. There's also a triple tap. Um, also interestingly is, where's this other one? Um, sound recognition, which made me think, so you can train your phone to hear something and then let you know when it heard it, which made me think of somebody that maybe can't hear a doorbell ring or something like that. Right. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. You, mm-hmm. you can enable it. And, uh, oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, man. Seriously. Oh, you turn on for fire, siren, smoke alarms, cat, dog. Like if you need to hear that there's a, an animal <laughs> and it'll just say, hey, I hear a cat or I hear a dog. Appliances, car horn, doorbell, door knock, water running, Arc baby back. crying. Can you, can you do activities off of those things or is it just a notification? No, it just looks like it's notifications. Like literally, it's just a slider. It says baby crying. Do you want to listen for that? Do you want to listen for water running? If it's That's not wild. an if that this, then that, then like why? Well, because there's people that are hard of hearing, Tyler. It's oh, more okay. Than yes, I get you. it. I, this is true. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about just accessibility. I'm all for accessibility, but nobody because cares. I don't need this much, feature. Right? Nobody should have it. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? <laughs> What else we got? Or we need to shut it down and move on with our Fridays. Happy Friday, everyone, by the way. Happy yeah, Friday. Seriously. Whoa. Mm. You said that earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another one I found was 
uh, Windows 10 ARM, uh, ARM version is about to support x86 apps uh, emulating them. That's coming Ooh, in November. Okay. So that's, um, that's going to be interesting, actually. Get your Raspberry Pis ready. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Let's just call that an announcement, not a question. Talk about. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with us today, but we're just like reading <laughs> articles. Trailing off. And then that's it. Not really and then no commentary. <laughs> Actually, because no uh, Tyler's here, I like education from, uh, from Tyler. Doomsday Points, the E6Bs. <laughs> yes, there's two of them in the air right Wait, now. What? Yes. what you, you don't know what this is? No. I don't know what this no, is. Oh, the Boeing E-6B, it's known as the doomsday plane. It's essentially like a flying nuclear bunker or like nuclear oh, yeah. Two of them were spotted off, like one on the East Coast and one off the West Coast uh, this That's morning right after the, the COVID announcements uh, from our leadership. And the uh the dod has already come out and basically said yeah this is unrelated and everybody's going right it's sure totally it is. different yeah nothing to see here <laughs> folks yeah the, i mean as soon that as they started hitting adsb receivers people were going nuts and just saying uh why is this in the air <laughs> so, well what about an emp can it can it withstand an emp that i don't know the answer to yeah, I don't know how it would. I don't. I don't know about the shielding yeah. and stuff like that. It Science. might not, but, but it, it's basically a a you know a doomsday operation center that flies. Yeah, you should yeah. stop calling it a doomsday plane if it can't withstand an EMP. Sorry, <laughs> you don't know if it can. <laughs> the article. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why there are what four of them, right? So they can be places where you're unlikely to hit them all. <laughs> that's Sorry. crazy. Yeah, and interesting. Yeah, so it's supposed to withstand a uh, so it's resistant to electronic warfare and electromagnetic pulse generated by nuclear bursts. Boom! Okay. There it is. Fine. That that was was EMP proof. Okay. Fine. That's impressive. I am now yep. consider me impressed. <laughs> so glad we got you there, Billy. Okay, let's shut the show time. down. Let's fall apart. Wheels are coming off. Uh, this was good. Are coming I got, off. I got one more thing. Uh, this, <laughs> this is more. This is more of a uh, uh, community thing. So VMware uh, for, with VMworld have uh, released, or they've extended the complimentary access to their premium digital training or their old uh, yeah. VLC VLZ. That is it? Yeah, that's a very good call out. Yeah, lots of lots of folks in my world taking advantage of that. But I was happy to see VMware do it. Yeah, so they've extended so, it by a year. On. Good stuff. Very good yeah. stuff. So um, blog- oh, I got. Go ahead. I was just going to say. So there's a blog post that you can find for that with the link to getting um, to gain that access. Yeah, it's it's a good time too because if you're looking for uh, you know career advancement and that kind of things and and you want to pick up a lot of good technical training like there's a, a wealth of it and it's all free and available to you right now from the vmware catalog which is cool yeah. um i i just remembered i had another one this would be more fun with russ i think but we can bring it back up next week but uh there's some hands-on with um google's new chromecast with google tv 
And one of the things that stood out actually too was that uh, it's slow to load and start up, which is just depressing because that's got to be one of the best parts of, you know, like the Fire TVs and stuff like that. And I think Roku's are pretty Roku's are pretty snappy too. Yep. But no Google Stadia support on the the Chromecast with Google TV. What? On the that doesn't make sense. Of Amazon's latest announcements with their Stadia competitor and it basically being available in any Fire TV OS or, or the ones that are getting rolled out, like that seems like a huge miss for Google. Yeah, that's big. That's really yeah. big. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of eager to see more about that and I'm sure Russ has some thoughts on it, but I that it, it stings for Google, I'm sure, because again, it's like, early to market, didn't kill it. Now you got people coming in behind you and Doing they're, it right. they're crushing them fast, which is which is brutal because I really like Chromecast. Um, and I'm kind of curious. What Aaron, you've got um you you subscribe to Google TV, correct? So just being uh, a Google TV? YouTube TV, yes. yeah. Does being right. a YouTube TV subscriber, does it make like the Google Chromecast ecosystem interesting or more interesting than Fire TV or no? Um, you know, I don't know Fire TV, but, uh, it's just really easy, you know, for me to launch, I can open up YouTube TV and just send it to the TV. And then it, my phone becomes the remote for the TV. That's, oh, cool. that's right. You're a, uh, you're a remote phone guy. I'm well, with Russ only on for that, that because give well, me a tiny little remote. My, uh, yeah. I need a tiny TV remote. Actually. Yep. What? <laughs> Tim and I were agreeing that tiny remotes beat phones as remotes. Yeah, I've, I've got my Roku remote right here. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I just don't have... So my TV remote, I don't have another device that has a tiny remote, like an Apple TV kind of a deal. Well, I do mm. have that, but I don't ever use it. So my Samsung TV or whatever the heck it is, I think it's Samsung, it has the massive you know 90-button thing or whatever. Oh, but something oh. there's something about it whenever you're watching a long show that's pre-recorded, it usually, it, it like runs out of cash or something, like 50, 60%. Wait, the, the Samsung remote show. does or what does? The TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like loading the, uh, the show. Right? I hate and smart And it just TVs. pauses and you just get like the circle thing, right? See, and I love so, the smart TVs. But I have. No, do not. I know. Well, like. I mean, it's, it's, it's great when it works. But when a beautiful dumb TV with launched, a smart device connected to it. So, okay. So that's, so that's, that's you guys yeah. continue to interrupt me. I'm trying to get yeah. through the story. We're just telling you it's not important. It's okay. (laughs) Over it. (laughs) No, all all I'm trying to say, I'll just get to the point. All I'm trying to say, though, is it's flawless performance if I play YouTube TV and then launch it, you know, uh, connect to the TV from uh, from YouTube TV on the phone. Mm. Whatever. That's the story. Got it. Yeah, because all the uh, YouTube (laughs) TV, anything anything that uses like... um, I assume that's using the same technology that Google does in general with their casting, and then it's being mirrored on the TV. The TV has that integrated, but all of the content is rendered on your phone, which is probably a far more capable device than whatever you know widget they put in the TV. So right. That, that makes sense. Well, so that's the thing. That I mean, I would actually love to know the science behind that because I can cast from the from YouTube TV to my TV, and then it streams perfectly, even if I turn my phone doing off. It. Or disconnect? No, what, what I can turn off? it off, disconnect, walk away. But you can power the whole device off. Yeah, I can shut my. I can disconnect my phone from the internet. I can turn my phone off, whatever, and, and it, it still works better than when you started on the TV. 
Exactly. That's interesting. Exactly. That's actually it's really interesting. I didn't realize that app. TV worked that way. That's not yeah, how that, that's casting, re- Google casting works in general. Right. Because yeah. a device that's casting has to be on and connected. Yep. So that's yeah, news with, to me. Yeah, not with YouTube TV. Weird. Ah, very weird. Ah, so. I don't know. Maybe okay. maybe Russ knows. That's, maybe that's somebody like a conspiracy. Knows. Yeah, that sounds like garbage. <laughs> I, I'm I'm particularly fond of smart devices that are connected because they're wicked fast and the ecosystems actually play pretty nice together. YouTube TV, as an example, is an app on Fire TV and it loads just fine as well as just about everything else. The only downside I see to that is that unlike Roku, which I think does a pretty good job trying to be uh, democratic across all of the apps, um, it, when Amazon and Google get into a, a little tiff, you know, all of a sudden YouTube can just drop off the catalog, which was annoying a couple of years ago. And I, I think they've addressed it since I don't use YouTube enough on my fire TV right. to care, but, um, I would gladly take a just gorgeous, modern, dumb TV and attach it to whatever third party streaming awesomeness I want, than have a smart TV. They're just a liability in the, my my. The opinion. problem is, you seem to be hard pressed to find a new beautiful TV that's not a smart TV these days. I know. I, that's what I hate about it is that it's like buy our smart TV with all these cool smart features that I'm never going to yeah. use, and I'm probably going to go out of my way to fence off and prevent from working. Because again, liability. Because they bring <laughs> nothing to the table that I can't do with a device connected through USB. I like. I just don't care for it. So yeah, and I'll, I that's I what my get. dad's doing with his Samsung smart TV because they were used to the Roku ecosystem. So yeah. they just plug their Roku into their Samsung and that's it. Yep. It's a big part of the reason for my, I think I mentioned it on the last show or the show before, but um, I, I need a new TV for a spot that just needs a TV. And I am almost certainly going to use a projector because projectors are big, gorgeous, inexpensive, dumb TVs. And I love that. That's a good call. All right, I'm going to throw one more thing out, and then maybe we're done at that point. But um, the the top news on Tech Meme this morning, Amazon says that of its 1.37 million oh, saw this. workers, 19,000 oh. have contracted COVID. And I kind of gave away the punchline. Oh, 20,000. Yeah. Well, uh, it was closer it's like to 20. 19, it's 19,816. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. It's about 1.5%. Yeah, well, that... that Yes, you guys are getting right to the punchline. So the the first thing that I saw was on Twitter where they said twenty thousand Amazon workers have COVID, and you're like, "Yeah, this is wow. insane. This is this is out of out of control. Three seven yeah. million frontline right. workers. Like, oh, that's whew. the joke. Right? <laughs> Not the joke, but the punchline. Yeah, in that there are so many Amazon frontline yeah. workers that it is actually, and you already said the percentage. It's less than two percent of their frontline mm-hmm. workers. Which is lower than the the U.S. average of about two percent for people that have tested positive. So, which is which is a, a shout out to the efforts that they've you know put in place to try to prevent people from getting it. They, if you remember, this is quite a few episodes back now, but we yeah. we highlighted some of the technology that Amazon put in place in the distribution centers and stuff like that, where they were putting up large displays and actually you know using. Um, AI, I believe, but image recognition for sure to highlight people that were not socially distancing. So if you got too close to another worker, you know, you'd be boxed in red and and shown up on the screen. And and that was an attempt to try to keep people from contracting. So, yeah. And keep so in mind too, who's getting an Amazon package today? 
Yeah, well, every say, day. Yeah, it does not include the uh, the third party delivery contractors yeah. who deliver packages to your door as well, right? Which that which makes interesting. sense. Yeah. Um, also, because I think they have a lot less control over what that looks like and, and what those employees do. But I, but I am curious though because it's quite possible they just excluded them because it makes the numbers look terrible. There's my maybe or I think it's your first the, one. I think they don't test the. So yeah, I don't think they test the third party ones. Or they're not required to, you know, report any of that right. stuff or, or they just can't yeah. keep the data from being garbage because it's third party and they have no uh, hooks to actually report whether or not they're sick, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, think about that. The, uh, a lot of the Amazon delivery ecosystem, that last mile is gig economy. So yep. it's quite literally somebody with an app that signs up and gets ping and then goes and picks up packages and, and does a route. It's not... Uh, it's not a full-time employee and if they don't show up to work the next day it's like why they're not going to tell you it's because yep. they got covid they just didn't okay. sign in that day so well it's that's, uh, yeah that's neat it's eleven fifty at night in australia <laughs> and uh or on the east coast there anyway so i'm pretty sure kieran has fallen asleep now we have lulled him <laughs> into his dreams <laughs> anything else you would like to say if you if you're still awake there <laughs> Uh, good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end this episode. Uh, <laughs> now, Kieran, Tim, thank you for joining us. Tim, thanks for sharing your news. Aaron, uh, I'm going to thank yourself and myself for not completely cratering this episode, but we did give it the good old effort, right? Gave it a yeah. good try. I'm <laughs> sorry for any first time listeners to this episode. <laughs> we just, the drive was not on today. I don't know. I so think we this was great. We're just, we got so used to okay. Russ. No, okay. we, we, I enjoyed it. I kid, I kid. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I got some giggles. Um, I learned some things. Hopefully our listeners did too, because that brings another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast to a close. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for subscribing. Go tell your friends. We like listeners. We love you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.